0: Well, all right, that song video got sent. I got a video sent to me. Uh, every now and then people request a video. Hey, do you have room for this to play this at some point? And I'm, I'm particular. It has to be able to fit what I'm talking about or I won't play it at the time. But just so happens, I, this one comes and um, I think it fits. There's no greater name than the name of Jesus, which makes him the GOAT, the greatest of all time, right? All the things his name is, is who he is. Just think, think about all the titles throughout Scripture that was given to Jesus. And like every single one of those things, he is. Um, before I get into the message, I'm going to, there's an announcement that was um, forgotten, but it was only forgotten because, um, for one, this is Natalie jumping in and just helping. She's doing it, and she she only did what was in front of her, right? So uh, we had another announcement that was sent to her separately, and I would be thrown off too because I'm like, i got to look at what's in front of me. Because when you come up here, things change. You're like, literally, you start forgetting things, so it has to be written down, or it's like, I don't know why I'm even up here. (laughs) <laughs> so um, next Sunday, um, we've been praying for a while for a for worship leader. So next Sunday, we've been through a process with somebody now for oh, a month or so, uh, maybe a little longer than that. And um, if you were here on last, m- Wednesday, last month on Wednesday night worship and prayer, we had somebody here who led um, that night in worship, and um, we've had times to sit with him, and I spent five, six hours in conversations with him. Um, and so he will be leading our worship service next week. Um, because for us, the next step is to see how he works with our people and our team and see how that flow goes and see, because um, it's important that it's not just a person who can sing, a um, person who is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, who loves Jesus, but also can work well with the people we have because we have good culture here. And we will make sure that we don't mess that up, right? So it's important that the right person um, is, we've been praying that the whole time, Lord, send the right person. And so... Um, It's been very good so far, so I'm just going to say that next week he'll be leading, so that way you don't come here and it's like, what's going on? So I don't want anybody to be shocked by that, so just so you know, we have a worship leader candidate going to be here next week. So we've been talking about the GOAT, the greatest of all time. First week, we talked about three different things. I did not get into detail of any of them except for maybe one. I probably will at some point in the series. This series may last like three or four years. It's possible. We're talking about Jesus, so it could like literally go on and on and on, because Jesus is talked about all the way back in Genesis, all the way through Revelations, right? There's not a point where he's not present in Scripture. And so talking about the goat, greatest of all time, you're going to have a lot to talk about. First week we talked about, and I, you remember this phrase that I used, because when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, um, in the in the Scripture, in the Greek, When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, which is very similar to how we see it in the Hebrew when God said, I am that I am, right? A very similar um, phraseology that doesn't really, it's not like I am, it's more like this. I myself and only I am. So in other words, it was an emphatic statement that Jesus was making that I am this and there is nobody else who is this besides me, right? So when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what he was saying is that I am and nobody else is or can be the way, the truth, and the life. Then we talked about I am and only I am the gate. Remember I talked about and then he says I am I am I am and only I am the good shepherd. We talked about all that together. So remember we talked about the uh, shepherd, how they'd have that little um, circle walled in area where the sheep would be in there and the shepherd there it had a doorway, but there was no door. So the shepherd would stand in the doorway. And he'd stand in the doorway, and he would guard it and protect, number one, them from getting out. Number two, from anything getting in to kill them. He'd fight and battle for, for the sheep if something tried to get in, like a bear or a lion. We know that because David, who was a shepherd, actually did exactly that. He fought a bear and a lion to save the sheep. And so that's the mindset that we have for God. But the difference is David was a good person. He's a, he was a shepherd, but Jesus is not just a shepherd. He's the greatest of all time when it comes to shepherding. And so he protects us. He, got, he, uh, he keeps us, where we're, you know, he helps us from ourselves, right? Because these sheep are stupid. They get out and they cause all kinds of problems for themselves. So he protects them, he protects them from what's coming. Um, then we talked about Joshua spoke on I, I myself and only I am the bread of life. He's our only true source, right? He's our provision. The song talks about, we sing about you being Jireh, a God who provides. Well, that's who he is. That's part of who he is. And so um, I love when we see all the names of God, all the names even of Jesus that's spoken, because you can just, in all of that, you can see the fullness of who he is. It's not just one of them, he's all of them. And he's not just all of them, but he's the greatest at being all of them. So it's just an amazing thing. So then we talked, after we talked about the bread of life last week, we talked about I myself and only I, I am the true vine. And so um, this week, part four, we're going into the phrase I'll use is I myself and only I am the light of the world and so we're going to get into that in John chapter 8 this morning so let's move along if you got your scriptures open them up and if not they'll be on the screen John chapter 8 verse 12 through 14 now remember when Jesus is having these conversations with people almost any time he said this phrase I am it was always met with a little bit of a fight or a battle, especially from the religious people. The Pharisees fought him because they understood exactly what he was saying, that I, might, I am and only I am this. And so they knew that he was equating himself with God in, order, when, in those moments, so they always fought him. It's no different in this passage. It says, then Jesus, again, spoke to them saying, I myself and only I. I'm going to read it like that just because that's the way it's supposed to be read. I, I love the Scripture, but in translating Scripture a lot of times, um, it's real easy for people who are translating to get a little lazy because you're translating Genesis to Revelation. It's a lot of work. And in order to get a word from Greek or Hebrew, sometimes you need like three, five, even seven words in English in order to actually get understanding of it. And so they sometimes just put one word in there and it doesn't do justice. So you have to study properly. And that's what this really should say is, I myself and only I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisee said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. So you imagine you're in the middle of a, a I'm up in front of you and I'm teaching. This is an illustration for you guys this morning. You're going to love this illustration. So I'm up here preaching and I look out at you and I said, I, I'll oh, forget how to say it. I myself and only I am the greatest preacher that's currently on this platform. Right, I say that, and somebody like, randomly, like Tom's, like, you're testifying about yourself, and you're wrong. It's not true. Imagine when you're in the middle of teaching, and somebody just steps up and interrupts you and says something like that. What you're saying is not true because you testify of yourself. I'm going to spend some time this morning sharing why Jesus can testify of himself. Because just like I would say, I'm the best preacher that's currently standing on this platform, I would be accurate because there's nobody else up on this platform with me. The moment somebody else comes up here with me, then it's in question, right? Like Tom comes up here, Tom would be the greatest singer that's on his platform. a matter of fact, if any of you came up here, you would probably be the greatest singer that's on his platform. But I would be the greatest dancer that's on the platform. <laughs> so that's what separates Jesus, that Jesus is actually speaking these from a platform that they can't touch. They're religious people, but he's God. And Jesus goes on in his passage and begins to tell them, I don't just testify, but my Father testifies of me. And so you have all this conversation, but Jesus basically saying, I I can say I am this because of the platform that I stand on. You are not on that platform. A matter of fact, not only are you not on that platform, but you have completely forgotten who's on that platform, and you've completely forgotten all the things that Scripture has said about the one who is coming, who's me, and as Jesus questions them on those things, this is what happens. And so Jesus on a different platform than anybody else. And so Jesus, in chapter 14, verse 14, I mean, says, Jesus answered and said to them, even if I am testifying about myself, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from Or where I'm going. That's kind of a crazy statement because these are the religious leaders of the day who were waiting for the Messiah, who should have known where he was coming from and where he'd be going, but because they were so set on what they expected to see, Jesus comes and looks different yet fulfills every single prophecy. But he looks different than they expected. So this is important. It's nothing to do with the message, but when the Lord moves, sometimes he's going to move in a way that looks different than you expected. It still is accurate to Scripture. It still is good, but it's different than you expected. we got to be ready for the different of the Lord because He's always moving in different, fresh ways. But He talks about the Father testifies of me. So I'm going to go back in Scripture to show where Jesus was because He says, I know where I came from. You don't know where I came from. So we're going to go all the way back to Genesis. I told you Jesus was back there. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, actually, right in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and desolate. I like that word, desolate, two words, desolate emptiness. I feel like that's the heart of somebody who doesn't know Jesus, too. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So you Then it says, then God said, let there be light. So you have the Spirit is there, God is there. And there was a light. So... Immediately, God said, let there be light, and there was a light. We're talking about light today, this is part of that. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and called the light day, and called the darkness, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens, to separate the day from the night, and they shall serve as signs, and, and for, for seasons for the days and years, and they shall serve as lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth. So what's he talking about? He's talking about the sun and the moon. So he just put those up in place so that we can see things. It's good to see things. Especially at nighttime when you get up and go to the bathroom at night. You're older, you get up and go to the bathroom more often, and you kick the bedpost without light. That's a terrible situation. That takes me, I immediately go into my flesh when that takes place, by the way. I just admitted it. Lord, help me. God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. Now we're going to go all the way down to verse 26. So he talks, talks about first, let there be light, and boom, earth, light was created. Then he talks about, I put light by the sun, the moon, the stars, all that kind of stuff, in order for the earth to have light. And then he says, then God said, as get ready, gets ready to make human people, that's you, by the way, you might not realize it, but identify as a cow. Actually, probably not a cow. Something else. I don't like animals. What can I be? <laughs> I guess i got to be me. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. So you see the plurality of the language here. Um, he's, he, we heard the Spirit of God was covered, covered across the waters Then God said, let there be light. I'm going to bring Jesus into this by going into the New Testament because we see um, not only... Um, John, but also John the Baptist, testifies of this regarding Jesus was also there when this all took place. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God um, in three persons, as we would call Trinity. Um, and so it's a really, really cool when you read this, you see that God in three persons created all of it. And Jesus, who came here later on in the flesh, was a part of all of that. So from the beginning, that's where we was in the beginning. So John chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So it wasn't just with God, but He was God. And was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. Apart from Him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. So He's speaking specifically of Jesus here. To understand that Jesus was there in the beginning, creating all things. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. So in other words, the light of Jesus, when he stepped into the earth, finally came here that he became a light to all mankind, who are here. But in the beginning, he helped create the sun and the moon and all the stars. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. A man, verse number six, a man came, a man came, one sent from God, and his name was John, just John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him he was not the light, but came to testify about the light. I really like the way this is worded because it's, in in a sense, well, it is actually agreeing with what Jesus said. It's not saying that Jesus brings light, but he's saying Jesus is the light. It's not, not like something that he brings, like I got my own little lamp. No, we have lamps, he puts the light in our lamps, but he is the light. Verse number 9, this was the true light that coming into the world enlightens every person. I like this because we know that according to Scripture and a lot of Scripture, that light brings is kind of a symbol that when light is shined on us, it brings revelation. I kind of feel like when Peter and the disciples are having that conversation with Jesus, and he said, who do they Who do they say that I am? And he says, you know, you can be this person or that person. And then, you know, then he said, um, who do you say that I am? He said, I say you a Christ, the Son of the living God. And then the response is... Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. It is a revelation that comes when the light shines on. When I feel like the light of God is always shining on us. It just comes to a point where we're ready to receive it, right? So we finally are ready to receive it, and boom, there it is. It's the light of God that kind of lets us know that um, all the things that we didn't know before about Him and who He is. This was the true light, that coming into the world enlightens every person. He was in the world, and the world came into being through Him. And yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. In that specific moment in that passage, he's speaking about those who were Jewish. When Jesus came to the earth, he preached the good news of why he was there and what he was coming to accomplish, and they constantly rejected him over and over and over again. So his people, the Jews, which, again, we know all throughout the Old Testament, what's kind of cool in Scripture is that you have the Old Testament, you have Israel, which was a group of people chosen by God to represent his kingdom. And and they were his people. And the reason I think he did that is because in the New Testament, there's another group of people, and they call that the church. Christians who are filled with the light of God, are filled with Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, that now that group of people represents His kingdom in the earth. And so there was a type of that in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, you yeah, have people who actually received Jesus and gave life light to Christ. Well, the Jewish people rejected Him over and over and over again, but some of them didn't. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, being born of the Spirit. So these people gave their life to Christ and they received Him, but there were those who did not. So this proves that even though the light shines on everybody, not everybody listens. We probably should, but not everybody does. Then it goes on all the way down to verse 14, speaking of the same Jesus, who they just called the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So in other words, that Word that was there at the beginning, who all things were made through Him, and nothing was made without Him, that is Jesus who was now born in the flesh to dwell among us, and, and we saw his glory, glory as of the son, only Son of, of the Father, full of grace and truth. So first of all, I think between the two, in Genesis and now, we can actually say that Jesus, when he speaks on the platform to these Jewish people in this time, when he's speaking this message, saying, I am and only I am the light of the world, he has a clear platform that says, I know where I come from and this is where I come from. That I was there in the beginning. I always was. And everything that was ever made was made with me, through me. Nothing was made without me. And so therefore I have authority to say this is who I am. These religious men, they just stood there every day just living right, uh, self-righteous lives. Never really serving the Lord and Jesus called them out on that. You can get to a point where you show up every single day to all of the stuff. You can go to church all the time, but if you don't actually walk with the Lord and don't actually know the Lord, it's, it's like worthless. You can't be good enough. And they thought they were good enough because of their deeds, and they were not good enough, and they didn't recognize Jesus for who he was because they lived a life that was fully set on these rules and regulations. And really, to be honest with you, you read Scripture, you know that most of the Pharisees were very haughty and arrogant, and they felt like everybody should be like them, and they were better than everybody else. So they had this mindset about themselves that caused them not to see who he was. Right? They couldn't receive who he was because of how much they thought about themselves. I think the reason why a lot of Scripture says, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought," Because it's when you're in those moments you have an inability to see Jesus. Because I'm, I'm good enough. I'm awesome. And everybody loves me. I'm the greatest preacher on this platform right now. You feel really good about yourself sometimes, and you can miss the Lord. Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, said it this way in chapter 9, verse 2 the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in the dark land, the light will shine on them. One of my favorite passages is Revelation chapter 21, verse 23. And the city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? He's talking about New Jerusalem here the city of New Jerusalem, where heaven where we're all going to be one day, where it's going to be awesome. What I love about this is that he created everything in the beginning. He gave us a moon and a sun and a garden. We talk about everything goes back to the garden. It's all great. It's all amazing. But because of our failure, because of our sin, all kinds of, all this stuff got messed up. And now we're in this big mess. Jesus comes back as the light to shine his glory on all of us, giving us all an opportunity to receive revelation, to surrender our lives to him so that he can change us and transform us and prepare us for this place that he talks about in Revelation, New Jerusalem. But this is different. He's like, never mind all the other stuff. Where where we're going, we don't need a son. Remember he said, you don't know where I came from, and you don't know where I'm going. And where he's going, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And the place he's preparing from, Jesus himself is the lamp that lights all of it. So when he says, I am the light, or I am and only I am the light of the world, he's literally being honest. It is who he is. He never needed a son. A matter of fact, I believe back In that time when he was creating everything, where do you think the sun came from? It came from him. There was nothing. It was all void. It was all empty. So anything he created, he had to kind of take from himself. There was nothing else. He was the light of the world. Here I am. You need a sun? How about a moon? How about stars? I could imagine. It would be pretty cool to be there at the time when it was happening. Pretty awesome. But he is light. He doesn't just bring light, but he is light. So much so that even Moses, when he went and got the Ten Commandments and had an encounter with God, like we go to Florida in the wintertime in order to get some sun. And I came back, and you can tell that I had spent some time in the sun. I had a little bit of a burn, tan thing going on. It's a little bit of both. You're like, you get tan if you're like Italian, but if you're like Irish or Polish, you get fried. You, you turn pink or red and nothing else. Um, And so kind of like that. I used to tan when I was younger because I was outside so much, but I always burnt early on. But the sun has an effect on me, right? The light of the sun. But the light of the sun is nothing compared to the light of the sun. Like the light of the sun, which is the glory of God in Christ Jesus, is so bright, literally probably a million times brighter than any sun you could ever imagine. So much so that Moses went on the other side of the mountain and had this moment with God where God passed by him and just showed him his backside. He had the brightest backside you've ever seen. It was so bright that his face literally started glowing. One thing to get a suntan. Another thing to glow in the dark. right? Imagine that. Imagine having an encounter with the Lord so great that your face starts glowing. We don't need lights in the room. We can all just come sit in here and be like a cool, that'd be a pretty cool atmosphere. Right? Everybody's face is glowing in this room. But he is light, and every single part of him is light, and it beams out of him so much so that Moses' face was glowing in the dark. a matter of fact, Acts, we have a moment where uh, Saul at the time has an encounter with Jesus. Remember, Saul was, was, we don't see that he actually murdered Christians, but we know that he participated in approving of and celebrating it, right? So that was him. He's on the road to Damascus. He's having this little trip on a donkey or whatever it is. And literally the Bible says that a light shined all around him. There was a really bright light that knocked him off his horse. The light so bright it knocked you off your horse. It wasn't like a loud noise. It was just a really bright light. Driving in your car sometimes in the wintertime in the mornings when it's really sunny outside, it's like you can't see anything. Yeah. Like It's way worse than that. Like It literally knocked him off his horse. It had blinded him. So he has this encounter with the Lord, and he hears a voice coming out of this light. He's like, who, who are you, Lord? So he recognized like, whoever you are, you're Lord, because... like. You're not normal. This is incredible what I'm experiencing here. And then Jesus says, it is I, Jesus, who you you are persecuting. In other words, Jesus is the light that that Paul or Saul encountered that changed Saul into Paul. It's true that when you encounter the light of God and you were willing to receive and surrender to him, that immediately he changes who you are. He changed Saul to Paul as a result of that encounter with the light of God. So we talked earlier about him speaking to the Jews, specifically, I am the light of the world. And later on, he talks about how they rejected him, right? They rejected the light. In Acts, we see all of a sudden, he decides, um, well, this is, sometimes there's a benefit to other people when somebody else doesn't accept something, right? The, the not accepting Jesus in the New Testament led to the Gentiles. Raise your hand if you're a Gentile. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. So you can raise your hand if you're not Jewish. So all of a sudden, the door opens for all of us. That was God's plan to begin with. But it just happened their rejection is what made it happen the way it did. So in Acts chapter 13, verse 47, and we'll see a passage in here that's not really a part of the message, but I'll, I'll translate it anyway um, from the Greek because I think it, it needs to be done. Um, Acts chapter 13, verse 47 through 48, For, the Lord, or, For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles. Talking about the church. Paul specifically was a light to the Gentiles, minister to the Gentiles. But I set you as a light to the Gentiles that you... Should bring, or so that so that you should that you should be for salvation to the ends. Of, I think that's wrong. I think it's worded wrong. I, don't, I think I might have messed it up. But that you should be, uh, bring salvation to the ends of the earth is really what it means. So I set you as a light that you would bring salvation. So so all the time Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. And now we start seeing the transfer that takes place. Remember last week we talked about I am the true vine. And we talked about that the vine is Jesus and the branches is, the, is us, the church. And that everything that flows through that vine flows into the branches. All that streams of living water and all of that nutrients that flow in the vine flows into the church, which is the branch. And eventually the result of that is that the work that the, that the vine does in the branch, the work that Jesus does in us, causes us to bear good fruit. And the reason why he causes us to bear good fruit is so that the world can taste and see that he is good. So the fruit isn't for me and you, but it's for the people who we are around. In the same way, he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you might bring salvation. So every single thing that Jesus does is for the same purpose. He shines his light in us first so that we would repent, that we would see that we have issues. We'd see his truth, and and I put his truth with my lies, because that's really what we lived in before we knew Jesus. And all of a sudden, there's exposure that takes place, which we see a lot in Scripture. Light exposes, light exposes, light exposes your deeds, light exposes. And this thing takes place, but when that happens, he, His light doesn't just shine on us when we receive Him. All of a sudden, his, He comes to live in us, and His light begins to shine out of us. We become the light because of Jesus in us. And we go into the earth and we share the gospel. It says, now, then, now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. Wouldn't you be glad if you just found out? Like, hey, it's for us too. We can receive this as well. Amen. Now, this is a word that I'm going to share, and I think it matches what we talked about earlier. I think it's important all Scripture just connects. I think when you ever get to a point when you're studying Scripture, you're like, this doesn't seem to work with this and with this and with this. It, the problem's not with the word of God. The problem is with the interpreter. So I have to get to a place where, like, okay, Lord, show me where I'm er- erring, and really, so that's when you got to dive a little deeper, and that's what I see in this passage. He said, "When the Gentiles heard, it, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life, they believed." And actually, the word "appointed" is not the real word that should be used there. It's actually used in different translations. You see "appointed," you see "ordained," you see all kinds of things. But this is an example of something that should be more than one word, rather than just one. Um, The best translation that I can see in this, and I think a lot of scholars agree with, is set in readiness. So in other words, those who are ready to receive eternal life, they believed. The Jewish people were not ready to receive. The light shined on them, they were not ready to receive, so they rejected them. But here we see the Gentiles who received the words, those who were ready, those who were prepared to take action and to believe in the Lord, to receive eternal life, they believed. So, when the light shines, you have an option. Do I believe in Jesus or do I reject him? And that's the encounter that these people had, and it's an encounter that we have, and now we're called by God to be the light in the world that goes and brings. Now, what I, church people, sometimes we can go into the world and we can be a little bit arrogant, like the Pharisees. We can come at people with a little bit of cockiness, like, I'm better, I know more, rather than coming with grace. And with love, because that's what we're told to do. The Bible did not say, like, go tell people what's right and wrong as if though you're better. The Bible says that we come and love people. Love the Lord God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two commandments He's given us. So when we approach people, we do so in love, not in arrogance. And so there's no arrogance in us when we do this in order for God to move. So we talked earlier about how the light um, reveals the truth and exposes lies. Um, Natalie shared a scripture this morning. Not knowing what I was going to talk about, but you are the light. You are my light and my salvation. For whom sh- who should I fear? So we know that light removes fear. We have, when you have kids, they get scared of the dark. Some adults are scared of the dark. But when, you, when you're afraid of the dark, what, what do you need in order for you to no longer be afraid of the dark? A light. I had like a little light that we always put in our kids. They'll plug in one of those, what do they call those things, night lights? Yeah, and then we over the years bought really cool ones, like ones that looked really cool, like the kids would like the nightlight itself, like a little person or something. I don't know what it was, but we always bought them. But it's that light that takes away fear. So the light of God removes fear from our lives, and we allow Him to come in. We're, we have we deal with sometimes things that we get so fearful of what might happen when it hasn't happened yet, and then we begin to start consuming ourselves with all the bad things that can happen. And really, all we need to do is say, Lord, Lord... <laughs> You shine your light on this situation. The Lord shines his light. He exposes all the lies of the enemy, and he says, hey, this is where we can go because the light also gives direction, right? Your word is a light unto my path, right? So he's a light unto our path. He gives us direction. So he doesn't just expose all the lies, but he tells us where to go, what to do. All of these things are what happen when you follow Jesus and you're filled with the light of Jesus. His light protects us. A lot of bad things happen at night. There's times where we drove through like really bad neighborhoods. and My kids will tell you, I tell this story, my wife will say this, like, well, We're in the middle of driving like through the worst neighborhood you can drive through. But it's like 7 a.m. And I said, we're good. All the crazy people are sleeping. They went to bed about 3 a.m. So we're, so we're pretty good because a lot of bad things happen at night when it's dark. There's all kinds of evil that takes place in dark. Light has a way of causing evil to scatter, yeah. Right. We had a house that we lived in for a very short period of time. Um, We had some really good experiences in some of the houses we've lived in. So we've had plagues, like literally all of them, in some of the houses we lived in. We had a house that we lived in to where um, we turned on the light when we walked into the house, and I'm not kidding you, um, I don't know, hundreds maybe, hundreds or more carpenter ants. Like literally every time we'd come home, it happened. The entire floor was, the floor was actually like a light brown wood. And it was actually black when we walked in the house, and it was moving. <laughs> so you you flipped on the light, and it's like this panic that took place. They all started like going to hide and run, and, and so they hide. And we I remember one time we her brother was living with us, and we had we had food, and we had to go. We ran out and did something fun or whatever, and we came back home, but we left some of the stuff on the table, and you know waters with drinks, in it cups with um, like some soda still in it or whatever. And I remember just watching the ants like trying to get out real quick and they're falling, and because they're panicking because the light exposed them. Right? They'll expose them. Like, now they know we're here. Like, we didn't know before. When I felt you crawling on me when I was sitting on the couch. <laughs> like, yeah, it's gross, I know. But we had this, it was a house that wasn't ours. We were staying in it for a short period of time. We had a really crazy experience when we first got married. We had a house we were supposed to stay in. And a person who was going out of a town for a year and a half, and they said, we want you to watch our house. So we go on our honeymoon. Yay! Coming home we have a house. The first thing we find out when we walk off the airplane is her brother says, oh, they changed their mind. Well, so now we're Homeless. So we went and stayed in this house with all the ants, all the flies, all the baby spiders that came. Through. I'm telling you, every single plague you can think of was in this house. But what I noticed is, like the little spiders, we walked in, there's tons of, yeah, she's super excited about this one. We walked into our bedroom and there was like thousands of little tiny spiders, you could barely see them. And literally, we walk in and turn the light on and you see them barely, They're like little shadows, tiny little shadows all over the ceiling. And they started dive-bombing. It's wild. It's crazy. But the light causes us to be able to see them. And with the ants, the light causes them to scatter. It's the same thing. The light of Jesus will cause the enemy to scatter. Because in that light, he is exposed. His schemes are exposed. Everything's in a wide open. And by the way, he doesn't want you to know his plan even though we know it. The Bible says He came to rob, kill, and destroy, and He uses all kinds of crazy tactics to do it. But the light of Jesus, who He is, and this is important because Jesus is the greatest of all time when it comes to protecting us, when it comes to exposing our sin, when it comes to removing fear, when it comes to all of these things. This is who Jesus is. It isn't just something that He's saying like, hey, this is really cool stuff. He said, this is who I am. I am and only I am the light of the world. And when you receive me, all of these things are yours nobody likes when their sin is exposed when i first gave my life to the lord i started realizing what a wretch i was and i was that was not necessarily a very that's a very humbling moment right but even as i walk with the lord his light at the moment where i allow his light to shine he still exposes stuff chris you this right here fix this i don't like it it's not comfortable Sometimes discomfort is exactly what you need, and the light's being on in that moment, you realize what's going on, and that way I could deal with it. So when he exposes our sin, it helps us to deal with the issue at hand. When he exposes what the enemy's plan is, we start realizing his plan. But, but here's the thing, is his plan is useless when we're in Christ. Because Jesus is. He literally is the light of the world. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. So that you prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as light in the world. So in other words, you're in the middle of a really dark place, but you are the light of the world. So don't act like the children of darkness because you are children of the light. And as children of the light, you are completely different than what you used to be. And you are now an example. You are now Jesus on earth, so to speak. We're not Jesus, right? but we are filled with His power and we are filled with His love and we are filled with His goodness and the fruit that comes out of us and the light that shines out of us then becomes an example. Have you ever been, a, you've all experienced this at one point, and I guarantee it. Um, I, I at times have had to work, you know, secular jobs as a pastor because you're a church planter. You, you have to work two jobs. And... So as people get to know me, as I work with these places, they start to know, you know, you pastor. Then they start to know other things about me. Then they get to know my character and stuff like that. that people will, like, be around me, and all of a sudden, like, they're having a conversation, and they're getting, their conversations are getting real bad. Like, they shouldn't have these conversations, but they don't know Jesus, so they're still in darkness. So they start having these conversations, and they'll start saying stuff. And sometimes they cuss like sailors. I used to cuss like a sailor, a gangster rapper, and a truck driver all at the same time. And, and But the Lord did something to me that changed me, and so my language changed. My, I, and it wasn't because somebody said, hey, you need to stop doing that. It's just because the Lord changed my heart, right. right? It just started happening. Things just started falling off of my life. But in these moments, all the time it happens. All the time somebody will say something and be, oh, sorry. They'll look at me and say, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. It's because the light that is in their room has exposed the darkness that they're sharing, right? It has nothing to do with anything. It just is a work of God that's happening inside of you that causes darkness to react to you. I mean, Jesus was literally just walking, and the demons inside the the one person, they they sent them to the pigs, like, who are you, son of God? What do you want with us? They just reacted to who he is, because the light that was shining out of him exposed them. The same thing happens the the closer we walk with the Lord. the, The darkness is exposed. So we can walk in a perverse generation in a really dark world, but if we live above reproach like the word says we're supposed to, word reproach basically just means we live in a way where people can't even accuse us of things. It's integrity, it's character, it's godliness, all those kind of things. That's a light. Like, why do you do that? Why do you treat people so well? Why do you love more like all these people who are like talking bad about you? You ever been in a job where like everybody's like it just feels like everybody's negative and it's terrible, it's horrible, and they're like not nice to you, (laughs) like they're they're just for no reason mean to you, but yet you can love them back and that's you shining light on them. I'm loving you in spite of all of the things you're doing, all the things you're saying, and the hate that you're showing me. I'm gonna love you anyway. They also begin to eventually question that, like why are you that way? Jesus, The scripture says that, that when somebody's your enemy and they're coming against you, if you just love them like through it all, it's like keeping hot coals on their forehead. It's their conscience. They're like, can't believe it. It, it. What I'm doing is not working. <laughs> it's not working because the light of Jesus is inside of them, and I can't, can't get past that for some reason. That's because Jesus is amazing. First Thessalonians 5, 5. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not We are not of the night or of the darkness. In other words, it's a clear distinction that once you give your life to Jesus, you are now children of light, you are of the light, you are of the day, not of the night, not of darkness. So when I hear, I had a conversation recently about um, sin, and it's important because what we do often in church, you have different groups, right? Different groups that every sin you commit, you're going to go to hell no matter what. You're a Christian, and you've been serving Jesus faithfully, but you just messed up. And so you are, you are going to be smited and go to hell right now. Like we are overbearing with that, like judgmental. In those situations, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? So we have to understand that even though somebody messes up and might have sinned occasion, it's the heart thing. God knows the intention of the heart. He knows if you're right with Him, you're going to make mistakes every now and then. But then there are those that everything's okay. Allowed to do whatever you want to. God isn't concerned about those things. He just wants a relationship with you. If he wasn't concerned about those things, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. Jesus wouldn't have come and went to a cross if it wasn't a big deal. Right? Right? You You don't put a person on a cross and beat them the way they did and spit on them the way they did, put a crown of thorns on his head like they did. You don't do all of those things in order to overcome sin if it's not a big deal. And even Jesus said over and over and over again, you read Jesus' teachings, you read the Scripture teachings of the New Testament, you see a lot of people talk, just because you, in Paul, like just because you received Jesus, does that mean you continue sinning? No. You're no longer children of darkness. It is not okay. It's not okay to sin. That doesn't mean you're not going to mess up and do it. But at least be in a place, in a position with the Lord where I recognize what I just did was wrong. You ever get that where you do something stupid or say something stupid and immediately, like, oh. It just feels like, but it takes you to a place of repentance because the light of God is constantly shining on you because of your relationship with him and shining through you that when I mess up, all of a sudden, I recognize it. A person with a true heart for the Lord, you might have a season where you're really in a bad place, but you're recognizing and realizing, and then you just repent, and the Lord moves new and fresh in your life. I love Jesus. <laughs> It's so amazing, what he does for us, through us, in us. First Peter two nine, but you are a chosen people. He says this he's talking about the church as a whole, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So he didn't just save us, but he called us out of darkness into. I like the way it's worded here. It's not just light. We weren't called out of darkness into light. We are called out of darkness into marvelous light. And you go into the Greek, and it's even more intense than that, right? It's more intense. It's not just marvelous, but it's like mind-blowing, like I can't believe how bright this light is. That's really how it is. But you come up with one word, because that's what works. It calls out of darkness into this incredibly bright, amazing, beautiful, blinding, yet revelation-giving light. It's amazing. But I've called you out of this. You are my own. This one is what I'm going to end with today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16, because I think it's important. First, we know he's light. He's not just talking about this metaphorically. He actually literally is the light, and that when we give our life to Jesus, that his light begins to shine through us, and now we are the light in the world, accomplishing his mission. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. Like, literally, he's talking to the people, the disciples. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill it cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. I mean, there's got to be a reason you turn on a lamp, right? Turn on a lamp so that you can see where you're going, so you don't kick the bedpost. But you don't hide it. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand so it's bright and it's everywhere, so everybody can see it. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. We're not saved by works, but once we're in Christ, we do good works, right? He said we are created for good works. That's, Jesus, that's what Paul said. So there's things that we do, there's deeds that we do, there's ways that we love people, care for people, serve people, all those kind of things. That it's not, we're not saved by those things, but they're just kind of the evidence that we're saved, right? That there's proof coming out of me, the light shining out of me, the fruit that's hanging from my branches all those kind of things. This is what happens. And it's important that we recognize that we, are, we have a mission. We have a calling. We have a purpose. Serve people, love people, care for people, meet people's needs. I have a friend who just started a ministry that actually is pretty cool. It's called Time to Share. I just watched a video yesterday. He doesn't know when you're talking about it. But he um, is a tradesman, does everything. He has his own business where he buys houses, remodels them, and sells them. And sometimes he rents them out and all that kind of stuff. But he does, he's always done that kind of work. He's done a lot of that kind of work. With well, this ministry now, they partner with another, another ministry called Christ Net that deals with homeless people in Detroit area. And so what he's partnering with them, that people go through the program, they're actually, some of them are not, some people are not homeless to go through their program. They're just people who have need. And so what he's done, he started their, their ministry time to share is saying we're going to just start finding ways to help people. So they started finding ways to help people, not only who are in these shelters, find a place to live. And they started finding ways, like people who are living in a house but have things that are broken that they can't fix, or basically you can't live without it, they are going in and they're fixing stuff for free. So this nonprofit is beginning to do not just, we're not just going to sit and talk about, well, homeless people need a place to live, or that people who have, are, are poor and struggling and can't fix their house. We're just, sorry for them. You know, like, sorry for them? They're actually doing what Jesus said. This is one of the ways you can shine like a light in the darkness. Like these people have need. Jesus said, take care of the widows. Take care of the orphans. Take care of the poor. And all those kind of things he said, and that's exactly what they're doing in this ministry. They're shining the light of Jesus through this. This is like them hanging the grape, grape branches. You know, the grapes are hanging. They're hanging, they're hanging it. I, I have the story that I'm in with, and I think it's a really cool story. You're going to like it. It's funny. I found out during our ministry treat that the, the key to very good preaching is you've got to be funny. <laughs> if you're not funny, you're not anointed. I'm just kidding. It's not, it's not that. I just, But I, I thought this was kind of funny, so I'm going to read it to you. It says, One of the greatest legal battles was once fought over a terrible automotive accident that involved a train at Blue Mountain. The accident happened on a dark, rainy night as a fast-moving as car came down a mountain road around a sharp curve and ran headlong into, into the train. Several people were killed in the accident. In a fiery, contested court battle, the railroad flagman told... Uh, Back then, it was a little different. This was a long time ago. The flagman told precisely how he got off the train before it reached the railroad crossing and stood in the highway swinging his lantern. That's what they used to do back then, I guess. Back and forth to signal any approaching vehicle. This was a customary behavior whenever the train approached this notoriously bad intersection. On this particular night, he had done precisely as he had been instructed. And as he had on many previous occasions... Under, de, under determined cross examination, um, he wait, I mean, he does some medication. So under determined cross examination, he consistently answered each question as to his procedures that particular night. Yes, he got off the train ahead of the crossing. Yes, he stood in the highway. Yes, he swung his lantern back and forth in the cross in a cross manner. He even jumped out of the way of the speeding automobile before it hit the train. The jury deliberated and the railroad won won because of of the testimony. About a year later, the flagman who had now retired from the railroad was fishing on one of the beautiful lakes. The attorney, who had represented the family, saw him and asked how, how the fishing was. The attorney said, you were a witness at that railroad accident last year. You know, that was the best fought trial I have ever had. I should have, I should have won that case. You were the best witness I have ever cross-examined. You were great. I lost that beca- case because of your splendid performance. You were determined and a perfect witness. The humble flagman squirmed a little and said, "Oh man, I was scared that day. I have never, I I have, I have never ever been so frightened in all of my life." The lawyer replied, "No one would have ever known it. You were great. You were great the way you handled me." Oh, I was scared, the man said. I was so scared that you were going to ask that question. What question? inquired the attorney. You know, the, the man replied, I was scared that you were going to ask, Did you have your lantern, lantern lit that night? <laughs> so, in other words, he stood in the way doing all the stuff but did not have his lantern lit. And the two, the train and the car crashed. I feel the same way about the passage I just ended with that we could stand and warn all the people, but if our light's not lit, they're just going to cross by. It's important that we understand that we're not just church attenders, but we are Jesus' followers. We are filled with his presence and his glory, that he has called us to be light and darkness. And that light and darkness doesn't just happen. It happens because I walk with him, because I know him, because I spend every single time. I remember in the scripture when, when literally the, uh, the Pharisees said, could tell the, the disciples came out from being with Jesus. Like I could tell they'd been with Jesus. What did they do? They just had a countenance that changed. Something happens when you're with Jesus. Something happens when you have that time in prayer and in His Word and in fasting and you're fellowshipping with believers and you're praying with one another. There's something that happens inside of you, and I call that light. And when that happens and you're walking with the Lord in closeness, now from that standpoint, I can show and reveal Jesus to the people around me. And because that light is real, and because it's genuine, and because it's sincere, they're going to be drawn to it. Like mosquitoes to the thing at nighttime. The best sound ever in the summer. <laughs> Got another one. Kill all the mosquitoes. Just like that, they're drawn to you. People get mad at you and angry sometimes, too, right? People get mad at you. You're, you're, you're talking about Jesus again. But when you are sincere in your faith and really close with Jesus, it just becomes contagious. People are drawn to it because it's real. Like, wait a minute, you really love me? You really care about me? You're really going to meet my needs? You're really going to help me in this situation? You're not just doing it to get me to go to church, but you're just doing it. There's no strings attached. No, I'm just living Jesus. This is what he told me to do. This is what I'm doing. In obedience and in love for him, this is what I'm doing. promise you this, that when we live that way as a church, we'll change the world. People won't look at the light in anger all the time. They'll begin to be ready to receive, like the Gentiles were. Hmm. Lord Jesus, thank you. Worst time You come on up, Lord. We thank you right now for your presence. We thank you for the light of your Spirit that lives in us, Lord. That Jesus lives in us and it illuminates out of us, Lord. Lord, I feel like sometimes we try too hard. We try too hard to be this or to be that, when you've never called that the. The branch didn't do anything. It just received what the vine had, and then the fruit became, came out of it. No work, just you doing amazing work inside of your church. So, Lord, right now, that's our prayer in us today here at the net. Lord, we want to know you and walk with you and be close with you and intimate with you. We want your Holy Spirit to move and power through us. Lord, we want the work that you do inside of us just to become like a light or even like those grapes that those around us will taste and see that you get it. Those, those who are in darkness will now see that you would open their eyes and give revelation to them as a result of just us being obedient to you and walking with you, Lord. Lord, help us not to complicate it. Help us not to make it too hard. We do that. But Lord, it's really all about you. You are the light. You are the vine. It's really about you doing a work inside of us and us just responding in obedience, Lord. Help us to walk in you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, if you're here if you're today right now and you want prayer for any reason, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you're like listening to me talking, you're like, hey, um, my eyes are opening. Maybe I've rejected him at times, but right now I feel like I should receive what he's offering because he is offering in the same way he offered most of us who are here today. Like, hey, I love you. I've died for you. Receive me and you'll receive eternal life. Receive me and you'll receive joy and peace and all kinds of amazing things that come with Jesus. If you want to receive him today, I want to pray with you. Just feel free to come forward as the band plays the last song or last couple songs. And I'll pray with you if you have need for prayer of any other reason. Um, We want to pray with you this morning. So we're here today willing and ready and desiring to be with you. So feel free to come on up and pray this morning. In Jesus' name.